Uh, so we're um, finishing this part on the fruit of the Spirit as we look at uh, the Christian, Holy Spirit and the Christian character, and we're looking at self-control. So if you want to turn to uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5. read a passage uh, last week, uh, but since it's the end of this part, I'm going to read exactly the same this week. And it gives us the contrast between um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or it starts with the bad and the ugly and ends up with the good. Uh, So these are words um, of Paul. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And I wonder if you can tell me, um, what, it's all the fruit of the Spirit. We said last week, it's not fruits of the Spirit. It is the one and the same, but different characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And we, we, we need to be growing in all of these things. Um, you might not see a day-to-day change, but certainly a year-by-year change or a month-by-month change, you will notice a difference, or at least you should, because the Spirit of God lives within you, if you're a Christian, and he promises to change you. Uh, to become more like Christ. But I wonder if you can tell me, this last one, you've got the two bookends, you know, it begins with love, ends with self-control and the fruit of the Spirit. What is the difference between self-control and all the other uh, fruit that is mentioned? Can you see there? I'll read them out to you again. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anyone spot the difference? Hands up. I did an assembly this week. Fingers on lips. Hands up. Pardon? It's an internal. Yes. Yes, there are two things I was looking for. One is there's two words. And the other is it's self-control. And it struck me as I was preparing. That means, although we can't just rely only on ourselves, there is a certain amount of stuff that we have to do. And the Bible is full of verses about keeping in step with the Spirit. And this, the verses I've read talk about the battle that goes on within us. So therefore, if there's a battle that goes on within us, we need self-control. There's an element of self in it. We're not normally told to, you know, to be selfish or anything like that sort of thing, but, but there is a self-control. Often you know the right thing to do, we don't do it. You know the wrong thing and you do it. As a, as a matter of self-control, there's a responsibility on the part of the Christian to walk in step with the Spirit of God. God love, promises to lovingly bring us on this journey. But if we want to turn around and go the other way, well, we have a choice. But there's self-control, there's a self-willingness to keep in step with the Spirit and the plans and purposes of God. And if you look around the world, you can see ample evidence of a lack of self-control, can't you? You read the papers, you look at the news, and there's quite a bit. 
uh, consumer culture uh, can lead to excess. And, and that can find its way in the church as well. We can have a drink, but people get drunk. We can eat, but people overeat. This is one of my battles. Um, I, I, as I've got on older, I've realised certain foods don't agree with me. You know, when you're young, you seem to be able to stomach most things, don't you? You notice that? And you kind of can shrug off illness and, you know, you can have a bad meal and the next day you're fine. Well, the thing is, one, my, one of my problems is I really like McDonald's. And, um, you know, it's like the golden arches. They beckon you, don't you? Whatever main road you go down, you see them eventually. And in my book... No, there's not much that tastes as good as a McDonald's. Um, but the fact is, the fact is, whereas I used to be able to knock them back and not even think about it, now, even two days after, I'm very aware that I had a McDonald's. <laughs> not what you're thinking, just a feeling in my stomach. And, and so we don't go that often. Um, but when I do go, probably about three times a year, I really, really go. I kind of feel, well, I haven't had it for ages. And, and I have this thing where, I, you know, and it's, it's even more difficult now because you can order electronically. Have you noticed that? That's the new thing. And I like to keep up with new things. So instead of going there and being really embarrassed at the counter, the volume of food that I'm about to order, now I can do it sort of a little bit anonymously and then just hide behind. When they sell number 65, oh, that's me, you know. They don't know I haven't got four people in the back. They, they think I must have a family with the amount of order. So I'm one of these people that go there and say, well, what I'll have, I'll have a Big Mac meal, please. Uh, what size do you want? There's only one size, large. Thank you very much. And, um, and, and I, you know, I, to be healthy, fish is good for you, isn't it? So uh, I order a fillet of fish with cheese. And so that's good. So I've got my Big Mac fries and fillet of fish. Chicken is good for you. So I'll get six nuggets. Now I know full well if I'm with anybody, they're going to nick three of them. So let's make it nine. Because we have to be prepared, you see. And then they look at me and they think, surely not all this food for him. Little do they know. And then they say, with your meal you get a drink. I say, ha ha, Diet Coke. (laughs) The fact is, when I eat the McDonald's, I don't, you know, it's not that much. (laughs) But I do order badly. Um, the fact is, I used to be able to shrug that off. Now, I mean, I really, really enjoy it when I'm eating it, but I know straight away it's not good for me because I actually feel rotten after. And I'll say to Andrea, oh, you knew you was going to be like that. I don't know why you eat it. And it's the same with fish and chips. and It's the same with all sorts of things that you know are not good for you. And what the Bible talks about what you put in is what's going to come out. And, and you know, if I put unhealthy stuff in my stomach, um, then I'm not going to feel that great because it's not good for me. And so that's my big thing. We can eat, but people can overeat. And that's a constant challenge for me. I love my food. Uh, we can have emotion, but people can get over-emotional, can be angry. We see that, don't we? Road rage, um, arguments, uh, the things. You've probably done it yourself. I know I have. You've said things that you don't really mean because you're so angry. You've lost control. And you come out with stuff and you realise, why did I say that? Why did I, that's going to take days to get through this now. And then as the words leave your mouth, you're trying to grab them back, but it's too late, they've gone, and they're out there. Maybe it's an email you've sent, or a tweet, or a text in anger. You've lost that self-control. And as we come to the end of looking at the fruit of the Spirit, we find that one of the bookmarks, you know, beginning with love and ending with, with uh, self, uh, Christian character, is self-control. They're two bookends that hold everything else together. And, and I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, it's actually hard to fulfil any of the other fruit of the Spirit without self-control. You need self-control in all of them. 
Now, I don't know whether Paul thought about that when he wrote this passage and thought, I know, I'll put self-control at the end. I don't know. But it talks about, it's not necessarily sometimes how we feel, because our emotions go up and down, our anger can go up and down, our love can diminish. But it's about what we choose to do, the self-control. And self-control, when you think about it, and all those fruits, it's needed. If you think about love, more than a feeling, it can be a choice sometimes. Maybe someone that you've loved or, or a fellow Christian or someone in the world has not treated you that well, but you can choose to love them. In effect, we didn't treat Jesus that well when he chose the cross, but he chooses to love us anyway. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He cries from the cross and he prays for his killers. He loves them. And he loves you and me as well. But he needed self-control in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Love, it's more than a thing. It can be a choice. Even, and especially so, you need self-control when it's undeserved. And seeing people through God's eyes. Seeing that the person who's wronged you, God died for them as much as he died for you. Self-control, that if you're wandering and looking at maybe the grass is greener, you need self-control. Samuel Stokes was an American missionary and he was walking through the Punjab. He carried only a water bottle and blanket and he trusted himself wholly to the native hospitality to people he was witnessing to. And in one village he was given a, a really hostile reception. The headman of the village sat in chairs in a circle. There was smoking because they wanted to provoke him. They left him the whole evening just sitting on the floor on his own. Later on, he asked if he might nurse their sick and teach them. They, they were really horrible to him. They insulted him, swore at him, called him names. But he made no reply. He stayed silent. And then they gave him, while they ate well, stale crusts of bread in a filthy bowl. And he just thanked them. He was very courteous, and he ate it, ate it in front of him. And this went on for two days. And on the third day, the headman laid his turban at the feet of the missionary, this Stokes fellow, as a token of respect. And he explained that they'd heard that Jesus' disciples were commanded to love their enemies and had decided to put him to the test. The result had amazed them. Now they brought in their choicest food and were eager to hear his teaching. If he had lost his temper, he would have lost his chance. We never know how God is going to work. So sometimes self-control, needed in love, needed in joy. Self-control is needed in joy. This is, the, this is not the happy, you know, everything's just wonderful. It's recognising even sometimes we're in the valley or things are happening in your life that you don't understand or comprehend. It's in spite of circumstances. There's that inner peace, that inner calm, and still be able to say in all of the mess that sometimes goes on, uh, thank you, Lord, being thankful to God. In my experience, it's in those real dire times that you feel the closest to God, maybe because you call out to prayer to, uh, prayer to him uh, more. But it's that inner joy. You need self-control. I decide that I'm going to thank God. I need self-control in peace, in a world of war and discord and arguments, and everyone likes their say, especially on social, social media. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. In the office, uh, I have a saying um, where, you know, if there's something going on, um, or discord, or there's some angst, or whatever, I say, our job is to pour water on the fire and be the non-anxious presence. We don't want to put fire on the fire and join in. Let's put water on the fire. Let's be the peacemakers. We need self-control for that. We need self-control for patience. Sometimes you can be patient with yourself. You can give yourself a break. Um, You're not perfect yet, and you won't be uh, this side of heaven. But you are perfect in Christ. We sang in Cornerstone, clothed in his righteousness, not our own. 
If, we, if God is patient with me, I've got to be patient with other people. But I need self-control to do that. I'm kind of a doer, and I want things done, and sometimes I can be, get a bit agitated. I need self-control. Kindness and goodness in a world where people uh, really look to themselves. We need self-control to be kind, perhaps when people don't deserve it. Uh, to show goodness where it's not deserved, that is the mark of a Christian. I need self-control in faithfulness, to be a people of integrity. We spoke about that. I need self-control to get up on time, to make sure I'm in work on time. Self-control to be at church at 5 to 10, if you don't mind, next week, please. I'm not here, though, so, you know, do whatever you want. Um, But they'll tell me. Um, No, but um, faithfulness, people of integrity. Remember we said about let your yes be yes and your no be no. It takes self-control to do that. Self-control to have integrity before God. To obey his word, to be led by his spirit. Because there's always one that's going to tempt you. That's the war that Paul talks about, raging on in your sinful nature. And then we had gentleness, didn't we? Or meekness and humility. Take self-control not to big ourselves up sometimes when we've done something. Think, oh, I want, I want people to know about that. Not, not about, you know, the Bible actually says, let people see your good deeds so they may praise your Father in heaven. When it comes to a real self-exaltation, the Bible's pretty clear, God will humble us. But when we're humble... He exalts us. But it takes self-control. So in all these things, we need self-control. We need this fruit of the Spirit, the other bookend to the fruit of the Spirit. Lack of self-control, and then we can fall into the acts of the sinful nature that I read at the beginning, found in verses 19 to 21. They come to the forefront. As we lose our self-control, we start going down the world's ways. But you, verse 18, are to be led by the Spirit. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Isn't that amazing privilege? You reflect the Lord's glory. There's unveiled faces. You have access to God. You don't have to hide your face. And he promises to pour his Spirit into you. And you're being transformed, it says, into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory that comes from where? It comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's God's intention that myself and you, with ever-increasing glory, will reflect Jesus to the world. But it takes self-control. When someone wrongs you, I know what my response immediately is, but the self-control, one of the fruit of the Spirit, is saying, no, 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 that's not the way. That's the war that rages within you when you do the things you know you shouldn't do. But if you have the fruit of self-control and you nurture it and develop it, you can say, no, that isn't the way. Andrew and I were driving yesterday, or I was driving. Um, I'm not a good passenger. I have a trust issue. Um, not in Andrew and everything. I'd fly the aeroplanes if I could. <laughs> um, but we were driving, and there were some really bad drivers out yesterday, weren't there? Where is she? Over there. Wasn't there, Andrea? You were so pleased that I was driving and was a good driver and in control. I think I've just exalted myself. I will now. Be humbled. I'll probably crash the car on the way home. Um, but anyway, there were some really bad drivers. And the temptation isn't... I mean, I'm not joking. Some, someone's... I mean, I've got, you're just going to think I've had a bad day. People were like, coming to a roundabout junction and just stopping. And I go. And they wouldn't. And I'm talking about a couple of men. The kind of temptation is to get on the... But, you know, I said to Andrea, no, don't do that. <laughs> it's actually true, isn't it? <laughs> and people were pulling out on us, and, and on us, we started laughing. I said, You can't believe it today. Everybody's out. And because you can never really lose your self control, I did that once and pulled up alongside a ah, church member. <laughs> so I've learned 
I've learned not to do that. Just assume they know you and you're amazing how you develop that gift of self-control. But honestly, and the old here would have been on the hooter, jumping out the car, what are you doing? It's a highway code, you know, throw it in there and everything else. But you need self-control and all these things because there's always a desire in you to not do the right thing because the sinful nature is at work. But that fruit of self-control, very, very important, very important. So quality of leadership, 1 Timothy 3.16, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he must be self-controlled. You know, the worst thing a church can have is uncontrolled leaders. I'm, I'm having to calm the elders down all the time. They're a nightmare. Um, no, they're great. But, you know, you need self-controlled leaders because the job at hand is too important. We can't be losing our call. Um, we've, got to, we've got to, under Christ, lead the church. We don't want people that are going to lose all sorts of self-control. Uh, it's God-given, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power, of love, and of self, there it is again, self-discipline or self-control. Paul's saying God has given you that spirit. Now exercise it. And it might be that you don't feel like being nice or polite today. I'll find out if you're feeling like that because I'll be on the door at the end. Or forgiving, or kind, or loving. Maybe the circumstances don't deserve it. But you can choose to be. You can make a decision. For self, you can say, no, that person did wrong me, but I'm going to respond in the right way. You can't change all the circumstances, but you can determine with your self-control how you respond. You might feel like stoking the fire of an argument, but you can be a person of peace and you make that choice. You might feel really angry, but you can exercise self-control and not smack someone around the head. Self-control, it's a fruit of the Spirit that God gives you so that you can discipline yourself and keep in step with the Spirit of God. And it's important for all of us to develop and operate in that that gift as God transforms you into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We've got to walk in step with the Spirit. The world is out of control. And God says you can have self-control. I will give you that fruit. But if you ignore it, then, then your face is not reflecting the Lord. The Lord's face has self-control, had self-discipline. Not my will, but yours. He, didn't, he chose the cross for you. If I reckon, if I really accept that, if I really believe it, if he chose the cross for me, I'll do anything for him. And if that means uh, obeying his words, turning uh, the other cheek, forgiving where it's not deserved, loving where it's not deserved being a peacemaker when I really want to join in, then nothing is too much for me and for you. But it does take self-control. It takes self-control to discipline our thoughts. We know there's a battle that wages in our minds. Our minds can wander. Most sin, in my experience, when people have come to me and have gone down a heavy road of sin, has started with a thought and a plan. And they nurtured it and they thought of circumstances that might happen almost willing it to happen. When it did, they would have a pre-plan in their mind of what they was going to do. You've got to take those thoughts captive and crucify them with the sinful nature and it takes self-control. It means we've got to discipline our actions. You're not on your own. Even though it says self-control, God promises to give you that uh, fruit of the Spirit. But you do have to be in cooperation. Discipline our actions, the choices. There's a leadership book I'm reading at the moment. I'm reading about ten books at the moment. Um, But... um, 
uh, one by Carl Martin. And he's a leader, and he wanted to write a book on leadership. And he took ages thinking up the title of the book. It's called Lead. (laughs) The first words in the book, the first three words are, it's on you. And he's basically saying, you've got to take responsibility for your own actions. You can't keep blaming everybody else. God has given us the power to live a life to reflect his glory. If we deny that power, we're almost being blasphemous. He's given you that power. He's given you that fruit and we can live it. It means that we have a discipline. It means we have self-control. The choices I make, they're on me. I'm not going to blame everybody else. The circumstances I find myself in, if they're down to my choices, on me. The beauty of the gospel is that God, every day, is plan A. He'll take you wherever you are and start again. It means I need self-control to honour God in everything I do. It means I need self-control to work hard, not to burn myself out. It means self-control in saying... Well, I'm going to, you know... Do you know what the longest commandment is in the, in the Ten Commandments? you know what the longest one is? Probably one that most of you ignore sometimes. What one do you reckon it is? It's got the most words in it. Sabbath. So it's Sabbath. The Sabbath. Yeah, how, how often? Even ministers. Didn't get my day off this week. I'm guilty of it. You know, something happened, but actually it's a command. And we're going to take it seriously. I'm not just picking on that. It could be anything. But to honour God is to honour his word. Does God want me or you burnt out? Does he say have a day of rest just because he wants to spoil your fun or miss a deadline? No. He says it's good for you. He took a day. You're not God. You're going to need a day. Uh, and it means I've got to have self-control in my relationships. I'm, I'll be determined to be a good father, a good husband, a good son, a good pastor, as much as I can, but it takes self-control. It means I've got to take self-control of my physical. You know, my body is not mine, it's God's. You know, when I was in the uh, city, we used to have uh, companies come in and see us. And used to learn all the tricks of the trade. Like Sainsbury's would come in and said, oh, uh, we've got our end shelves offers. I said, what's that? What is the... They said, well, what do you do? You know, consumers are stupid, which is not a good starting point when they're talking to one. But they said, if we put stuff on the shelves in the rows and say it's cheaper... Um, they kind of can miss it. But if we put it at the end of a row, at full price, they buy it. Isn't that amazing? So next time you go to the car, have a look what they put on the end of the rows. You'll probably get it cheaper in the aisle. The other one was the uh, Fitness First came in. They were a listed company. And they said to us, what we love doing is sending all the... Um, if you're a member of Fitness First, we send you all these invites in November. Bring a friend for nothing, because we're so generous. And the idea being, you bring a friend in November, and of course January 1st, who knows what happens? We make a load of promises we don't keep. And, um, but they know that everyone's going to go and join the gym. And then they sign them up for a 12-month membership because they know all the people that sign up in January, this is a fact, 80% are not there in February, but they're paid for the year. No self-discipline, no self-control. We've got, we're actually called to take care of our physical self as well. Taking care, it takes uh, self-control to take care of our spiritual, our character. When, we look, when you've looked at the fruit of the Spirit, you can either adhere to these words or you go home and just be the same. Take self-control. Uh, self-control in my devotional life. There's enough distractions. Self-control in my uh, role and the role that you play in the church. The Bible says they devoted themselves to each other. Sometimes that takes self-control. If I want to be healthy, I need to eat right and exercise. Self-control. If I want to be spiritually healthy, the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Self-control. Transformation, not just information, to build my spiritual muscles. 
How do we do it? You need to recognise that actually there is a lack of self-control around and make the choice to deal with it. You'll all know your areas of weakness. And we're going to have some time soon where we can just pray and spend some time worshipping in the context of prayer. Just ask God to show you an opportunity to receive prayer as well. But put God in the centre of your decisions. Make those quality decisions which take self-control. The other, one of the other ten books I'm reading is this book um, written by an ex-Navy SEAL. I like reading those books. It inspires me to run a lot. And then I sort of walk from my door to the car and I think, well, that's all right. It's a bit of a walk, wasn't it? And get in. But um, the book's called Make Your Bed. It literally is Make Your Bed. I thought about leaving it in my son's room, but he's probably going to get it. He won't realise it's a Navy SEAL book. Um, but what he was saying was, when they get in the Navy SEALs, one of the first things they teach them is a discipline that bed's got to be immaculate in the morning. His point was, if we don't start with the small things, if people can't manage that, they don't learn the big things. And so there's decisions that you make that take self-control. It'd be easy to leave that. I'm not saying you've all got to make the bed now. And I am actually the world's worst uh, at that as well. But it was, a, it was a thought process that if you get the small things right, the bigger things will follow. And having self-control. It could be your money that you're spending too much. You know, running a cap course at the moment to help with that. It could be your drinking or your eating. The things that you say, are they a blessing? James 3 verse 2 says that if any man can control his mouth, then he can control his entire nature. How many times have you said things when you've lost a bit of self-control? It's calling on God to help us as we make the decisions of controlling ourselves. Most people don't want to take responsibility for themselves. They blame everybody else. But they love and they're brilliant at trying to control others. It means that we show patience when impatient, love when hurt, staying committed like when, when you feel like giving up, being kind and showing goodness when it's not deserved, not just being feeling focused but staying disciplined. And we all need to stop saying, I can't help myself. This is just the way I am as an excuse. And commit to cooperating with God in this spirit and start using God's gift to us all of self-control. Otherwise, our lives can become a mess of broken relationships, broken promises, broken bodies, just like the world. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken, down is a man who lacks self-control. Titus 2, verse 2, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled. Verse 3, likewise the older women to train the younger women to be self-controlled. In chapter 2, verse 11, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. And the passage we read right at the beginning when we started worship is the ultimate, for me, self-control. When Jesus, in all his anguish, in all his pain, his soul is overwhelmed Father, take this cup away from me. But his self-control enabled him to say, but not my will, but yours be done. The ultimate self-control. If he can do that for me, then I can do much more for him. In front of the temple under the, uh, under the Corinthians games, uh, there's a, there's a, or there was a, a really gorgeous, beautiful avenue. Along its sides were marble tablets in which the names of the winners of prizes at the games uh, were written from past years. And the great ambition of every athlete of Greece was to have his name inscribed on one of those tablets. Uh, The distinction in athletics then didn't bring the kind of same financial reward that we get today, Um, but what the athlete strove for was to have his name inscribed along that avenue of fame and to wear on his head a crown made of laurel. To secure that distinction, he subjected himself to the most arduous discipline and training and abstinence for a period of 10 months. And at the end of that period, he trained uh, to the moment he entered the arena and strove 
for the mastery, for the best he could possibly be. And it's said that it was that kind of training that Paul the Apostle had in mind when he spoke of the discipline and training to which the athletes subjected themselves, saying in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that all those who strove for mastery, mastery exercise self-control in all things. It's down to you. It's self-control. When we fin- as we finish now, when we look at this mini-series within the series of the fruit of the Spirit, it takes self-control. You're not left on your own. It's not only yourself. It's a fruit, and it's given to you, and we need to uh, cultivate that fruit and be known for that fruit as well because we're called to be different. We're called to be changing in an ever-increasing likeness to shine like the glory of the Lord in quite a dark world. I'm going to pray for us as the musicians uh, come back up. And um, I think we've got time for three. We've got three songs. The first two are just response songs, really. And just a time for you to collect your thoughts. Uh, think about what you've heard. Think about maybe some things where you're struggling. Or maybe the things that you think, no, I'm doing okay. And that's, that's good as well. But it's just a time when really it's opportunity just to pray to God. Ask him to fill you with his spirit again. Increase this gift and all the fruit of the Spirit of self, but today, self-control. And if you feel there's something you want to just offload or have someone pray for you, then feel free to do that. There's a spirit of openness about that. Uh, I'm here, Ian's there, and there'll be people. There's prayer ministry in the corner later on. There's elders dotted around, and you've probably got friends and family around you as well. But, but take the opportunity. You could simply just ask God yourself. So as the musicians come back and play, um, uh, we'll worship. And in that context of worship, Uh, seek prayer don't just be informed be transformed i'm going to pray for us as they set up and then we'll worship together we thank you lord for your word and we thank you lord that you have not left us as orphans you've sent your spirit to us and as we uh, just come to the end of looking at the fruit of the spirit we thank you lord for the the final end the bookend of self-control and we pray for an increase of that in our nature that we can become more like you, that when decisions we're faced with and we don't really like the way it's going, we can exercise self-control and say, not my will, but yours, that I want to do things your way. Pray this, that you'd fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.